Welcome to Career Tools. Today's topic, interview etiquette. Here we go. I think we've said it before, but um, we can admit it again. Interviews are nerve wracking <laughs> for everyone. And maybe not you, but for everybody else, they're pretty nerve wracking, right? In, in some ways, it's kind of like meeting your girlfriend's parents for the first time, right? It's that, that feeling of desperately wanting to impress and, and wanting to be on your best behavior to do so. And the right behavior in those circumstances is called etiquette or manners. Yeah. Manners, yeah. And fortunately, etiquette rescues us during interviews, too. There's a role for etiquette, and it helps. Yeah. In fact, um, uh, Wendy has shared with us that DeBrett's Guide to British Behavior says about manners that manners are valuable in this world for the simple reason that well-mannered people know how to set others around at their ease. I love that, right? They know how to make the world feel more civilized, a more friendly, a calmer place and like to put other people's comfort ahead of their own. And I got to tell you, um, since you're already uncomfortable in an interview, right? Wouldn't it be great if you could make the interviewer comfortable, right? If you can't make yourself comfortable uh, until you're done by doing a great job, then you might as well make the interviewer comfortable. Yeah, and I like that definition because I think a lot of folks think that etiquette is designed to make you look good, to make you yeah, look good. Yeah, exactly. And it's not. Yeah. It's to put the other person It's deference. Etiquette is about deference. And... Um, I think there are some people today that the etiquette is so much less practiced than it used to be. Part of that is the digital world. Part of that is the speed of the world. Although the world speeded up for hundreds of years, even as etiquette continued to reign. And I think in some cases, people feel like it's rules-based and a lot of individualists, a lot of people who cry freedom say, you know, I, I don't want rules. And yet, in fact, they're all, they all drive right through that green light knowing full well that it is only a rule that keeps that other person at the red light from crossing in front of them and T-boning their car and hurting somebody. But if you if you take it out of the rules category and you say, I'm going to put the other person first, it's funny. If you think that and you go through a whole day being deferential, you'll discover you'll behaving you'll be behaving by and large as if you knew etiquette. Right. As simple as that. Exactly. Right? Yeah. In fact the high S's of the world say, yeah, I, I know it. And the D's and I's don't, and it's very irritating. <laughs> okay, so the question is, how do interviews get affected by etiquette? Or put differently, how can we use etiquette to our advantage in an interview? Or, or put another way, what are the rules of comportment, if you will, regarding interviewing? And there are three, although really the first one, really all of them are sort of very general. And, and we get into very much more of a don't do this rather than do that. And the three that we recommend are don't take over the space. Take a drink if it's offered to you and be prepared to make small talk. That, those are the three points we want to make today. Um, we've talked about small talk a little bit in the introduction in the interview series. We, during the, in the interview series, the 15 series we, we sell on the website, there, there's a, um, there's a discussion about, you know, introductions. You need to know current events and so on. But, but small talk, sometimes people feel like that's a little bit different. And there are people in the world who don't like small talk. So we've got to cover it. And then I also want to mention one other thing, which is etiquette extends after the interview as well. And there are a couple of things I'd just like to add uh, once we're done. Good. 
Okay, so it's don't taking over the space. I, I mean, that's um, I think that's a pretty straightforward one. But unless we explain it, people aren't really going to understand what we're talking about. I mean, to some extent, when you go into an interview and you walk into somebody's office or whatever that space is, you're walking into their home, right? I mean, you're yeah. walking into the place that they inhabit, and the idea of going in there into somebody's home when you're visiting, and then. I mean, your guest says, make yourself at home, but you don't really make yourself at home, right? You don't, you don't put your feet up on the coffee table. You don't just walk into the refrigerator yeah. unwelcomed, right? Oh, but they do. Well, unfortunately, some people do. This, this reminds me. And they're considered me rude. Of, yeah. One of, and, and of course, the people who are considered rude often don't know any better. And then when they're reminded that, in fact, they were, they suggest that you're being stuffy. And you're the one being rude for pointing out their failings. One of my very favorite quotes in the world is this one. It is the host's responsibility to make the guest feel at home and the guest's responsibility to realize that he is not. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that people in a life of ease where we have to work less hard for things, people just think, oh, they mean for me to be at home. And so I can go into the fridge and I can do this and I can get what I want. And in fact, no, that's not appropriate. The offer is designed to make you comfortable, but not truly to make yourself feel totally at home. Now, look, in this case, when it comes to interviewing, there are a whole bunch. The, the easiest way to do this is to talk about the negatives. I mentioned that before. So let's, let's, let's give them some examples of what not to do, okay? Don't walk into the interview room, folks, and decide to sit at the head of the table. Okay, let's be clear. The one place you cannot sit at a conference room is at the head of the table. Okay. Now I know somebody's going to write in and say, well, where would I sit in a conference room table? Well, the moment you walk in, if you're the first person to walk in, there are a couple of things you can do. The first thing is pause briefly. Okay. Don't just walk slowly like you have molasses in your veins. Pause briefly and allow the interviewer to come back around you after he or she closes the door behind you and see which, what, which chair they direct you to. Now, they might play mind games and say, well, okay, <laughs> pick a chair. Um, and if you have to pick a chair, I have two suggestions for you. First, look to see if there is anything on the table that appears to be preparation from the interviewer. Okay? If there's a pile of papers at a chair at the table, then sit opposite that one. Don't sit right next to it on the same side of the table. You might think that's personal or familiar, but it's it's awkward to sit at a table and then to turn 90 degrees in an interview and have your knees bumping into the other person. Okay. Now, if they're sitting at the immediate right or the immediate left or the head of the table, don't think, well, I wouldn't want the table completely between us. So therefore I will, um, I'll sit at the head of the table. Don't do that. The rule is you never sit at the head of the table. Okay. Now, if they say, please sit at the head of the table, of course, please sit at the head of the table. But lacking any instructions, you sit either opposite of the interviewer, okay, and you don't sit at the head of the table. Okay. Now, if the table is somewhat oblong, in other words, it's basically rectangular, but it's wider in the middle than it is at either end, and the, and the interviewer is clearly sitting in the middle of the table, opposite you, then obviously, even though it may seem like a long distance, sit opposite them. Okay. One other thing to think about, and, and this surprises some people, if it's a conference room and you have a choice, you want to sit, provided you can do it easily, you want to sit with your back to the busy part of the office if you can see into the conference room. So if you walk into a conference room and it's one of those ones that has glass, 
And you, you, um, you think to yourself, well, I could sit on the left or the right. I don't know. You know, I, I could sit on this side with my back to the glass or I can face the glass. There are two reasons why we recommend you sit with your back to the glass. First, that allows it to be more of the interviewer's room when she sits on the other side of the table, because believe it or not, she will be further into the room than you will be. If people walk by and see two people in business suits and they don't know either one of you in that conference room and they see someone sitting up against the wall, the far wall, and one with their back to the window that faces into the office, they're going to assume that the one sitting with their back further from the door is the interviewer. You don't want to sit in that chair. Further, you don't want the distractions of people walking by catching your eye. I promise you, one of you, will go in, sit with your back to the far wall of the interview, the conference room, looking out over the office, thinking, well, I'd like to see the office, and then get distracted as somebody walks by and the interviewer's thinking, who the heck is he or she looking at? Heaven forbid you get caught looking at somebody the opposite sex. Don't do it. Okay. Okay. Furthermore, when you sit down, okay, don't make yourself comfortable Okay. Uh, By the way, a good general rule regarding a professional business meeting is the opposite of comfort is, if you'll pardon the expression, having your butt at the back of the chair. Now, look, obviously, if they put you on a couch, that's going to be a little bit unusual. Although, frankly, do not lean back into the couch and cross your legs. Okay. Gentlemen, you look like you're uh, a pasha ruling over a small little empire. When you do that, it doesn't look well. Okay. But look, don't sit comfortable in your chair, move your butt into the middle of the chair, lean back a little bit, cross your legs, and then put your bag down and your coat, put your bag in one chair and your coat in another chair. You don't do that. Don't you dare move the furniture in the interview room so that it suits you. Okay. I can't think of a single interviewer in the world who arranges the chairs such a way that they're impossible to move and impossible to sit in. People just don't do that. Uh, Admiral Rickover, the, the, the father of the American nuclear service used to do crazy things like that. And it's crazy. And people don't behave crazily in interviews. At least interviewers don't. Interviewees do. Okay. Please, folks, don't turn the lights on or off. Don't, don't say, you know what? I prefer to sit a little close to you. Can I move the chair? No. Okay. If the interviewer is interviewing you, remember, we've told this before. It's in the interview series. If you're being interviewed, it's believed you can do the job. That's the general, that, that's what the screening process, whether it's a resume screen and then a phone interview or not, that's what it means, okay? If you then decide you're going to move the chair or you ask to move the chair and the interviewer is forced to say no, that starts, starts the interview out in a negative. If he or she says yes, it's also a negative because you have attempted to assert yourself unnecessarily and you have no power in an interview other than that which you give the company by sharing with them how good you are, okay? So don't mess with the room in any way. Don't change the blinds. I had one person say, I I sat with my back to a a series of blind covered windows in a high rise and, and he said, would you mind shutting the blinds? It's distracting. And, and mentally, I admit it, folks, I raised one eyebrow mentally, not physically. And I thought to myself, not for me, it's not. Uh, and it's the perfect lighting for me to be able to take notes. And if you can't focus during an interview, when the heck are you ever going to be able to focus? This is important. Pay attention. Okay. Don't, uh, we're going we're to get back to don'ts here quickly. Don't help yourself to tea or coffee or cookies, right? If they're in the interview room, don't. Okay. Don't pour water for yourself if it's on the table. Okay. Unless it's offered, which we'll talk about in a minute. 
Don't open your bag and get a bunch of stuff out and set it on the table in front of you, frankly. Don't start looking through the newspapers on the table while you're waiting. If the person says, can you give me five minutes, leave the newspapers or the magazines where they are. Don't lean back and start reading a magazine. Okay. In your head, if you know, if you have nothing else to do for five minutes while the interviewer says, give me a minute, I'll come back. Sit and think about your answers to the interview questions you should have prepared for. Please don't get out all your stuff and spread it out across the table as if you're going to show that it's going to be a show and tell rather than just a tell. Okay. Don't take off your coat. Don't roll up your sleeves. Don't read books on the shelves. If the interviewer says, give me 30 seconds, and then don't wander over and look at the books and start asking about them because probably it's not their conference room and those aren't their books and they don't really care about those books. Don't help yourself to tissues or pens. Don't fiddle with something, a little moving sculpture, one of those kinetic sculptures on someone's desk. Don't move it. Don't push the little rocker thing so that it moves around and then smile. Okay. And folks, holy Toledo, don't look over their shoulder at their email. Don't lean forward and squint at their computer screen if you're old like me. Don't bring in your half-empty cup of Starbucks. Okay. Throw your coffee away before you go in. And again, folks, if, if you are thinking to yourself, and you you just might be, who would do any of those things? Well, guess what? We've seen all of those things <laughs> numerous times and worse, much worse, actually. Yeah. And look, the key to this is think small and think of the conference room or hotel room or somebody's office as their own personal space. And when I mean think small, what I mean is don't, when I say think small, I mean, don't spread out. Okay. Treat it as if you they've invited into your home for the first time and they're your boss because likely they will be, okay? If it's not obvious, as I mentioned before, where would you like me to sit? And you sit in that chair and you don't do anything more than that. Sit up straight. The easy way to do that is put your butt against the back of the chair, folks. And for many of you, that's not normal and it will feel awkward. And that's how professionals sit. Now, you might say, wait a minute, the VP is all slouchy in the meetings I'm in. Yes, that's because she's a VP. You're not a VP. You are the person without power in the interview, regardless of if you're interviewing for a VP job or even if you're a CEO. You're the person without power. The interviewer has the power. Sit up straight. Uh, lean forward slightly as well, and that will keep you from spreading out physically. Okay. If for some reason, let me go back. If you're left alone in the room, right? If you are left alone in the room, look out the window or look at your notes if you have them. Although my recommendation is sit quietly and think about uh, your answers. Yeah, okay, sure. The hiring manager might have been stupid enough to leave his computer on with something interesting on it. The whiteboard might be full of strategy or something. But I'll tell you what, Mike, I don't know about you. I've been in offices for years with people whom I know they are working on stuff relevant to the, relevant to the things I'm coaching or, or consulting with them on. And I've never been able to understand a single whiteboard in my life, hmm. ever, ever. I mean, I've never been able to go, oh, that makes sense to me. Okay. Well, you're, you're just not that smart. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay, good. Well, okay. <laughs> and even, again, even if you did understand, what, what are you going to do? Start commenting on their strategy and tell them their strategy is wrong, which some yeah, ICs yeah, yeah. might be <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, tempted to and do. And how stupid would you feel if you, in fact, were wrong since you don't have any context to say, hey, I noticed in your whiteboard, you're, you're looking at uh, this area. That's really interesting to me because of X. And he says, well, no, I'm sorry. That's just our code. It's... Uh, it's actually not related to that. And you're like, oh, yeah, how nice. I'm a dork. It's not appropriate. It might be interesting, but it's not appropriate. Yeah. 
Look, you wouldn't look at somebody's diary, somebody's uh, day plan or whatever. If they're embarrassed by what you're looking at in any way that you've you've broached the, the basic rule of it's their space, then that's not a way to start an interview in terms of them feeling uncomfortable or them wondering, what the heck is he doing? Can't he sit quietly for two or three minutes and think? Right. All right. Next, you don't take cookies or candy. You wait until you're offered. Okay. If you're not offered, folks, sorry, it doesn't matter how much you want it. Even if the hiring manager eats the whole plate in front of you, you don't get any. I've interviewed people before while I was eating and they were not. I knew they had two interviews that day. I had eight and I was eating. I said, I'm so sorry. I'm going to eat while we interview because I have a full slate of interviews today. And that person did not. They had one or two. Okay. Now, you might consider that rude. I would argue that because I was in an office, it was probably borderline. But even if it is rude, my rudeness didn't condone somebody else saying, I sure would like some of that. (laughs) Um, Right. Look, if you see a pen on the desk in plain view or a tissue, for instance, you can say, you can ask politely, do you mind if I take a tissue, right? If, if the air conditioning is making your eyes or nose run, or if you need a pen to write a note, although hopefully you know you have to have a pen and a piece of paper to, in an interview. Now, look, if it happens a lot, if you, if you need a tissue pretty regularly, then take your own tissues with you or take a handkerchief, okay? I, I just can't, I got to tell you, folks, we've seen it happen. People act as if the space is their own. And my particular uh, experience with this is if you have a big enough office, and you're interviewing somebody, uh, if the interviewer is interviewing you and they don't put you across the desk, for instance, they have a, a conference table or even better, a couch or a love seat or a couple of recliners or, or let's just say club chairs, right? In a larger office, an executive's office, or let's say they go to the cafeteria or whatever and sit in a, a loungy area, if you will. It is amazing the difference you get. There is a distinct difference, in my opinion, between interviewee behavior in an office across a desk and in a less, in, in a, a less uh, formal, more relaxed setting. Mike, has that been your experience as well? Yeah, that's they just, true. Yeah. People just mentally, they physically relax, which makes them look slouchy. And then they mentally relax as well. Which which loses them the job. So Yeah, exactly. It's you you should be crisp. You should have a bit of an edge to you in the entire you can smile. You can be friendly. We want that. Um, but we want energy and enthusiasm and attitude that says, you know, we'll take ninety percent less ability for ten percent more attitude every day of the week. That's probably an overstatement, folks, but holy Toledo, we interview more boring people in the world. Uh Gosh. And part of the reason they're boring is they're relaxed. They think, oh, I want them to see the real me. You don't want them to see the real you. You want them to see the best possible you that has ever been invented. Yeah. Hey, and showing energy doesn't doesn't mean you get to run the interview either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, look, look, I think I talked just recently about that. Somehow I wrote some money or I put a blog post up or something saying, what is this thing that that uh, uh, about bad interview advice? So, oh, look, I, I read something in the journal that said that if you have, you know, you have to control the interview if you're the interviewee. What? I mean, really? No, it's crazy. crazy it's not possible. Yeah, crazy talk, right? Yeah, they act as if the space is their own. They interview. They they take over the interview. It's annoying. It's a lack of under. It demonstrates a total lack of understanding about the situation. It's frankly sometimes shocking for us. It immediately rules you out, folks. Anything that immediately rules you out, we can we can confidently say, don't do it. <laughs> Okay, let's talk about taking drinks because I've I've heard all sorts of conflicting advice. Take drinks, don't take drinks, you know, make sure they're non-alcoholic or it's okay to take alcoholic drinks. So let's talk about taking a drink. 
Okay. So, so I've actually had a change of opinion on this in the last 20 years or so. It used to be my rule was don't. Okay. And I told people that. Now, here's why I've changed that rule. Okay. I said don't because when I was interviewing, I didn't want to be distracted. I didn't have to drink. I never felt dry mouth or terribly nervous or whatever. I have since discovered that my interview experience as an interviewee was different than other people. And two things happen. One, a lot of people get dry mouth. And two, they think mistakenly that it's rude to turn down an offer of a drink, coffee or water or tea or what have you. I literally had people tell me, Mark, I know it was rude. I'm never going to do what you told me. I'm never again going to turn down a drink because the interviewer clearly was upset with me that I turned it down. Like, what? what? What the heck are you talking about? Right? No, they weren't upset that you, you know, no, you just, if someone said, would you like a drink? You just say, no, thank you. Okay. Now, by the way, we say drink. I'm sure some of you are hearing, would you like a drink? And they're assuming it's alcohol. This is not Mad Men, the show. This is not the 1960s. We're not interviewing with alcohol. So you're probably not going to be offered alcohol. And by the way, if for some reason, some marketing person takes you to the local watering hole and say, let's get to know each other a little bit better. And they order a beer at five o'clock. Don't. Okay. You don't get to drink alcohol at all at any space and time until you get an offer because you're being interviewed and alcohol interviewing don't mix. But I've changed and I've discovered that people often, as I said, feel uncomfortable about saying no. Now, folks, when people offer you something, they're not forcing on you. There's no right answer. It's completely appropriate to say no. However, my recommendation now is if you're offered a drink, take one. And the reason is it'll make you feel more comfortable. Even if you don't drink it, you can have one sip. Yeah, it's possible you'll spill. And and probably if it's water, it's no big deal. And if it's coffee, coffee, it's not the end of the world. Look, folks, I interviewed for a company with a company called Nalco Chemical. Uh, once years and years and years ago in Naperville, Illinois, great company. They treated me so well. I ended up taking the offer from Procter and Gamble and my bags didn't make it until like two in the morning. And, uh, I was essentially left with, um, whatever I had in my carry on. This is before I learned to check, to not check bags. And I interviewed the next day with one blue sock and one black sock. That was dark blue, and you wouldn't have noticed. But I actually, I was a bunch of sales and marketing people I was interviewing with. And I crossed my leg, and they said, how are you today? I said, well, I'm, I'm better now that I've had a couple of interviews. And they said, really? That's kind of funny. I said, well, look, when I, when I was five minutes away from here in the cab, I looked down and realized, oh, my gosh, I've got one blue sock and one black sock on. And I pulled up my trouser leg to show them. Fortunately, my socks were over the calf, so I wasn't worried about showing them my leg underneath my my suit uh, trousers. But everybody had a good laugh about it, right? So it's okay to make a small faux pas. It's okay to spill, right? Don't worry about spilling and therefore say no when, in fact, your mouth is as dry as the Sahara and you really would like a drink. So you're probably going to be offered tea or coffee or water, sometimes juice, if you're offered anything at all. This probably, I would guess this only happens 25% of the time, but I could be wrong. Uh, That number may have changed over the years. But look, if nerves make your mouth dry, it's better to have a drink available than to have to ask for one later. Asking for one, saying, would you mind if I had some water? Uh, Sends a message, I'm terribly nervous. I thought I could control it, but it's out of control right now. Yeah, okay. And look, if you have one, It gives you something to do when you need a couple of seconds to think, right? 
So even if you don't think you'll get flustered, accept a drink if it's offered, have a sip, and then if you don't want any more, put it down. The risk of spillage is not enough to say no. Yeah. And look at folks, if you're offered a cup of coffee, now's not the time to act as if you're in a restaurant or in a Starbucks, right? So don't yeah. Don't ask for a skinny wet latte, yeah. extra foam and vanilla syrup or anything like that. Keep it keep it simple. Like coffee black would be coffee black, really good right? That's what go. I always order. But but if you want to say coffee cream, that's fine. If you say coffee and a little bit of cream and two sugars or two splendas or whatever, folks, no. They're not your butler. Okay. They're not making coffee to your exacting specifications. And if your exacting specification specifications are the only things you will drink, then you should not, then you should say no. And, and if it might say, if you say no and you think, wait, Mark thought, Mark said that some people thought that was rude to say no. It's not rude. Don't worry about it. But the only thing worse than saying no is asking for a very complicated coffee or tea order. Or would you like some tea? Yes, but only if you have the lemon chamomile. And is it organic? Right. Um, you know, I, I, you know, what do you have? Can you show me what you have? And I'll choose. Oh my God. Please. Tea is tea. Coffee is coffee. Yeah. You just made your guests feel bad, right? They, they may yeah, not exactly. know how to make it. They may not have it. And yeah. that's the whole point of etiquette. Yeah. What you mean is the host, right? You're making the host feel bad. The host, the host yeah, doesn't absolutely. Have, yeah, exactly. You're the guest. You don't get to go into somebody else's home and have the exact same uh, hazelnut vanilla non-fat creamer that you get at home. And if you're going to ask for it, and if you're going to be disappointed that it's not there, you're going to look rude. Okay. There's nothing worse in the world than being given a cup of coffee and then grimacing as if you don't like it, right? And then thinking, well, I'm not going to have any of that. If you want a drink, if they offer you coffee or tea or water and you're not sure and it's special, you want it special, then just say water and just drink a little bit of water. Even if you want coffee, but you're not sure it's going to come that way, have it in a glass, have water in a glass, much less likely to spill. Yeah. And easier to clean up if it does. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, how about um, small talk? This is a lost art for a lot of people, but the fact is you're going to run into tons of people in the course of even just getting to the interview and you can't come across looking like a stiff person. You have to be able to converse with the admin or with, you know, someone who's asked to go pick you up at the front door, whatever. There's an art. In fact, think about this. We were in London recently at a client site and, and um, we were told the security is quite strict in the building. It happened to be near. Um, Buckingham Palace. And um, the first day we went up and we told them who we were and where we were going. And um, they asked to see our IDs. And we joke with the guy and we had some stuff to carry upstairs. We were just polite to the guy. And it was early in the morning, like 630 in the morning. And uh, it just seemed like a nice enough guy. He didn't have a weapon. So I didn't think security was all that big a deal at this location. There wasn't a man trap going into the building. And, and we just chatted for just a little bit. And, and, you know, it's a little bit easier to chat and, and to appear friendly uh, when you're in a building in Britain when you're American just because they think, oh, it's a Yank. Uh, and they think our accents are interesting or make us sound stupid or whatever. But what was funny was the next day, the day we went back, the guy who was supposed to have our IDs and everything else and get us a badge and was like, come on in, guys. He just waved us right through. Go on up. No problem at all. Why? Because... We treated that person like a person, right? We weren't so nervous about security. We didn't think we were superior to him. We didn't act as if we were anything other than a couple of guys talking to another guy. It was no big deal. And 
I'm amazed that people don't know what's the rules here. What, you know, should I talk to them or should I talk to her or, or whatever, right? The queen, in fact, I, I use that example just because, um, Wendy shared with me an example of the queen. One of the queen of England's most polite, famous polite questions is, have you come far? Right? Just because that way she finds out where you're from and gets to talk about your journey, right? As yeah. opposed to where you're from, Texas. You know, how is the weather out there? Did you find us okay? You know, how about the socks, right? Or how about the Colts? Or how about the Cowboys? Or or not the Cowboys? No, no, we wouldn't. We wouldn't recommend that. I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> yeah, be prepared to answer polite questions about socially acceptable topics. Okay. Now, now look, we said before in the interview series, you've got to know how to chit chat. You've got to know what's in the newspapers. You've got to know what's in the journal if you're interviewing in the states, the Financial Times, if you're in Europe. You need to know these things. And yet, it, there is something separate about the chit-chat that happens at the start of an interview as opposed to the stuff that happens before you get into the interview, which we still feel is interviewing territory, right? Be prepared for polite, non-business conversation with admins, assistants, receptionists, security personnel, other escorts, even the cabbie, right? If you sit in the back of a cab and you say, oh, I got an interview, I'm really nervous, you tell yourself... You're nervous 20 times, you're going to walk into that area, you're going to be nervous, you're going to escalate up and you're going to be, you know, you're going to be edgy by the time you get in there. On the other hand, if you tell the cabbie, I've got a big interview today, really excited, looking forward to it, going to have a great time. And then they'll probably say something polite or they'll be a jerk. And if they're a jerk, you can say, well, that person's a jerk. But they may say, hey, good luck. And you've already had one person in a city you've never been in before, probably saying good luck to you. Now, just like the phrase, how are you, where you don't tell someone about your indigestion, right? This is not an opportunity to discuss your disgust at the city's approach to highway construction or you wouldn't believe how bad the traffic is. You know, you're not going to talk the details of why the 4-3 defense is better than the spread offense or, you know, or whether better pitching, whether good pitching defeats good uh, hitting or the other way around or the constant rainy skies made you feel depressed on the way in. It's a polite question. And by the way, we have a podcast about how to have conversation. It's it's a bit like a tennis match. I won't go into it now, but you answer with a comment and then you ask a question back. So a polite question requires a polite answer. And that means an answer which won't make your questioner uncomfortable. You know, it's a bit better than yesterday or yes, thank you. The information you sent was very helpful. Uh, let's hope this season improves, you know, or um, next year we're going to be better. Looking forward to it. And... Um, at that point, I could go on for hours about polite conversation that it seems like there are plenty of people who can have polite conversations but can't interview and people who can interview but can have a polite conversation. Polite conversations are not that hard. We have a cast about polite conversations. Answer the question that's put to you and send the ball back over the net with a question in return. And do it with a smile on your face. Don't act as if that person is engaging in chit chat before the really important part of your day. How do you make feel, people feel important? You treat them as if they're important. You listen to their questions. You respond to their questions. You don't say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. Okay? You don't ride up the interview, the elevator, getting ready for an interview with someone. Don't not say a word to them. Get out of the elevator. Ask, hey, can you help me find Bob Smith's office? And the guy sticks out his hand and says, well, I'm Bob Smith. Follow me. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, I'm what an idiot. I just ignored be. a person two feet from me in the interview, in the elevator, right? 
Don't do it. Be a polite person. We've said this before, right? We've talked about politeness as a professional. Part of being a professional, being professionally mature, includes social maturity, intellectual maturity, emotional maturity, and industrial maturity as well, knowing your business and so on. And that includes graciousness and kindness. It means helping someone else. It means giving up a cab if you're not in a terrible hurry. It may sound terribly old-fashioned, but if you're sitting down on an airport tram, getting up and offering your seat to someone else who's with kids or has lots of bags or is elderly or whatever the case might be, this is just common sense. And I'd be willing to bet you there's at least one person out there with a story about how their first five minutes when they were interacting with people who weren't going to be the decision maker, right? That's the distinction people make. Well, they're not a decision maker, so therefore I don't really have to talk to them all that much. I don't have to be nice to them. That five minutes with a non-decision maker, treating them with respect and dignity, just common courtesy and kindness caused them to, to have an offer when they might not have otherwise, just because the culture of the company was polite and nice. And yeah, the interview wasn't great, but boy, everybody loved this guy. He's a sweetheart. And apparently I need to interview him again because, you know, he didn't do that well in the interview. And then he's relaxed in the second interview and I get to know what I really need to know. Yeah. It's not, not terribly complicated. So look, folks, don't take over the space. I know we told you on a, a lot of what not to do's, but it's not terribly hard, right? Be polite. Take a drink if you're offered it. If you if you have a complicated order, <laughs> then just choose water. And don't forget, um, be prepared to handle chit-chat and um, be prepared to answer the question, have you come far? And if you get to interview with the queen, we want to hear about it. Yeah, I'd love to. All right, my friend. Thanks, partner. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for joining us, everyone. We'll see you next week. In the meantime, have a great one. So long. <laughs>